This podcast is brought to you by Shout Engine. In less than five minutes, you can start your own podcast for free with ShoutEngine.com. Once again, from SEMA 2015, day three, very hoarse, if you it's, can't tell. It's a drag. It is, uh, well, but it's so good, and it's so just, oh, it, I, I've um, I had enough of Vegas already. I have to thank our uh, gracious guest, Mag- our gracious host, rather, Magnaflow, for uh, putting us up in their booth all weekend, putting up with our antics. And this morning, we bring you Texas Speed and Performance, kind of the legendary LSX uh, outfit out of uh, clearly Texas. So, uh, how the hell are you guys doing this morning? We're good. How about y'all? Pretty good. So, you were saying you got in late last night. Uh-huh. We yeah. did. Yeah. So, you're rolling in fresh first day of SEMA. So, I'm glad I got you now before you're just, like, dragged out from SEMA and, like, <laughs> oh, screw this. Right. So, all right. So, uh, what are you guys here to What are you guys here to see? Are you guys exhibiting at all, or are you guys just out making making the rounds for vendor relationships? And Yeah. We're, yeah. we're here making the rounds. It's, uh, you know, you, you can... You can occasionally see some of the new stuff, and uh, you know, like Holly, we were there this morning, and their booth is nothing but new stuff. Yeah, I saw um, a lot new intake manifolds and stuff. Uh-huh. And, yeah, 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 they've got a bunch of LT stuff and 2016 Camaro exhaust and a bunch of stuff. But it, it's uh, yeah, for us, it's more checking out the show um, and meeting with vendors that we currently do business with, or yeah. uh, some that we might be looking to you know, the to start with, hoping to sell stuff to. Yeah, so absolutely, on. absolutely. So uh, the LT. That is interesting because, I mean, obviously the LT is a new design, so this is probably the first big show where the LT's got a real big aftermarket presence. Is that right? Yeah. It, well, it's, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was out, you know, last year, but it's it definitely takes, a lot more, yeah. it takes some time, you know, yeah. for people to, to get used to it, and it's uh, definitely a, a new beast with direct injection, and so it, it's it's taken a little while for people to kind of get used to it. And yeah, it's, it seems as though, I mean, it seems like... Once again, and I can't believe they named it the LT1 again. I just, like, couldn't you have done something else yeah. with it? Because it number really one screws with search results. It really does. Yeah. I'm sure you guys are, it's way worse for you. Yeah, well, it's, you know, LT1 is almost like a cuss word um, well, yeah, when you talk to LS guys. So when, when they yeah. bring the name back and then with LT4 and you just go, holy crap. But, yeah, it's uh, we, we make sure we it's the Gen 5 LT1. Yeah, I think and, maybe that's just the way to go with Gen 5. I think yeah. now it's, it's probably going to drop that. Amongst guys like us, nobody's going to call it the LT1 because we all we all remember up to shit and reverse cool, 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 you know, flow cooling and, and yeah. all that. I mean, that was a nightmare. Yeah, and you guys dealt with it far more than I did. So. Yeah, it's uh, we you know when we got in the market, it was um, it was really when guys were dumping their LT1 cars and into the LS stuff. You know, we we were in it uh, late 2002 is when we started, so it was the LS1 was still really developing yeah. as far as aftermarket. You guys, goes. I remember back in the day, you guys were really catering to the F body market starting out, right? Yeah, we did. Yeah, that was kind of our bread and butter when we first started. Yeah, um, was, I mean, it was you guys were. I remember you guys had a pretty big presence. And would it be fair to say you had a much stronger presence in the southern states for a while there? Like, I was in South Florida, and uh-huh. it was just, you'd see your stuff out. I'd go out to Moroso, and you'd see your parts out. You know, everybody, I ordered this, I ordered that, and so on and so on. Right. It was all 
it was all Camaros and Firebirds. I mean, right. he had the occasional vet that would be in it and be doing it, but I mean, even then, those guys are usually still taking them to like dinner shops. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's um, it's like anything, you know, it, it evolves over time. But uh, you know, over time, yeah, we've certainly grown, and it's uh, you know where it's national and, and international now. You know, a lot of uh, Middle Eastern countries and Australia, all of those that uh, we ship to. As well, well. I'm, I'm sure it helps that the fact that. You know, and it's, it was almost a little surprising how ubiquitous the LS platform became across GM. I mean, there were cars that got it that were like, what the hell, a GX, a Bonneville GXP or whatever it was, right, or yeah. a Grand Prix GXP with the with the five three in it. And it was just like there was some wacky shit. I mean, yeah. then you had like the SSR and all kinds of stuff like that. So I mean, it, you went from this little tiny market where you had three cars that had you know had a motor to deal with and, and you know a handful of trucks and. I mean, the LS platform didn't even hit the trucks until several years later, right? Right, yeah, so. it was, uh, you know, and you saw it as, um, you know, 99 was, was when you started seeing the 5.3 engines, and of course now they're everywhere, and yeah. uh, they're being shoehorned into everything, yeah. um, aftermarket. But, you know, it's, um, yeah, it, it's over time, you know, it, it, the market develops, and uh, it's exactly like you said, you know, it's you see it in more and more vehicles, and then before you know it, you go to... Old car shows and everybody and the brothers got some version of an LS motor in their car. The the general, I mean, the, the way it looks to me now is that the LS motor might somehow be even more ubiquitous than the 350 became. I mean, it's in everything. Yeah. Well, and it's you know, the, there's a, a it took a while for especially the older crowd to really embrace it because computers, fuel injection, all of that really scared people. And now you can buy complete, you know, we sell turnkeys, intake to oil pan, mm-hmm. you know, with harness, ECM, the whole shebang ready to run. So it's, it's, there's been a lot of that, that over time people have gotten used to it. And there's, you know, now you see tons of different exhaust products and, and things that are geared specifically for the swaps in different vehicles. So it's, you know, over time it, it's become something where, you know, even guys that, that might be intimidated by LS, if they're having their car built, that, that's, that's what they want. So that's, you know, they buy a package and and throw it in, so it's uh, it's developed over time. I mean, I don't know how you guys are, but I mean, to me, I find a carbureted engine to be more to be more daunting than dealing with an injected. En- I mean, carbureted engine with a distributor to me is more daunting than an injected engine with you know with EFI because it's just EFI. I mean, we're looking at data tables and we got we can see what it is versus screwing around with something trying to get it right for however long it takes. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's not screws; it's a laptop. But I'd rather be punching in keys and sitting there with, you know, adjusting a car, jetting it for three days to get it right. Right. So. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of our going joke is uh, we, we didn't want a carburetor on anything but our lawnmower. Uh, <laughs> because, it, you know, it, and it's... even then, some of them are ejected yeah, yeah. now. Yeah, that's exactly right. So it's, uh, yeah, you know, Jason does a lot of our tuning, uh, does all of our tuning. And uh, so it's, yeah, absolutely, it's, it's something that you can open a laptop and, and uh, you know, a few punches of a button, and that's how you tune them now. And, and that does freak the old crowd out for sure. They, you know, my dad's group, that that age group, it's, it's all, they want to see distributors. They want to see a carburetor. They, right. you know, they remember all of the things they used to do. So they open a hood now, and they just, 
shake their head, yeah. you know, no clearance, you can't work on it, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, so it, it, it is, it's been, uh, it was intimidating uh, back in the day for a lot of guys, but it's too easy now. Are you, have you ever sat down with dad or anything and gone like, look, this is the graph, man, you can actually see, to just show, to kind of illustrate, this is how easy it is now. It's just like, you can actually see the damn thing. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, some, it's still, you know, it, it's hard to break an, uh, a dog of old habits. Yeah. Uh, and so that's a lot of it. You know, you, you're yeah. you're trying to explain some of that stuff, and they go, I don't know what you're talking about. Give me my distributor so I can turn it and adjust my timing. You know, so it, it's, uh, they, they look at a computer screen, and because it, it, it's all kind of wrapped into that same generation where, yeah. you know, they fight technology, they fight computers, all of that. So it's... Uh, so it's a it's a little bit uh, depending on the customer it's a little bit of an uphill battle. Yeah, it's funny you get guys the same generation like you know uh, talk to Gail Banks every now and then you know he's become a good friend over the last few years and you know Gail seventy three years old and he's like give me all the tech you can. Yeah. It, it's so funny it's just like you get that you get some guys that are just like give me it all I want to make more power yeah. and the other ones are like yeah let's do it the way but I mean there's something to be said with it you know an old school cam motor I mean they sound different they run different there's a certain character to them For that sure. gets nostalgic it's like us that want the manuals and everything you get dual clutches and dual clutches are great and we all know they're great yeah. but it's fun to have a manual too oh, so. for sure. whereas kids 15 years from now be like why do you want to row your gears <laughs> so, yeah yeah, it, it is. It's it's the same concept, you know. Over time, you you fight change. You get to a certain age, and uh, you know. It, but there's a lot of those that they've got a new Corvette in the garage, and they want their '55 Chevy to have the same setup, and they like just turning the key, and and it fires up and drives great. And so that that's the big appeal of the LS because it's so versatile. You can make so much power. It drives really well. You don't you know you don't fight flooding issues. You don't fight all of the craziness that uh, that you did with the old school stuff. Yeah, I mean we had uh, we had uh, Bodie Stroud and, and uh, Jason England from Classic Recreation, you know Stroud Industries, respectively, of course. And uh, you know they're like the thing is now is with all their customers, they're building cars so that they can get in them, turn the key like they're in a Camry and get up and go. You know right. that's that that is the ultimate refinement. Now you guys are doing a lot of mail order stuff too, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, can you tell me a little about how that, how that goes? Well, the um, and that was kind of the premise of, of how we started. Um, you know, we the vast majority of our business is um, it's put on a UPS truck. So, yeah. um, you know, so the the mail order business is especially with you know with with internet and everything is at your fingertips. So yeah. it doesn't matter where you're at anymore, so long as the UPS truck can get to you. You can ship anywhere in the world. Yeah, I, I, but I meant. And sorry, I should have been clear. As far as the tuning stuff goes, as far as oh, oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yep. we ship countless computers every day that go all over the world. Yeah, and um, you know, as long as you're consistent with your sensors and you've got a game plan from the start, you can pretty much make something start the first try. I don't think a lot of our guys are familiar with mail order tunes because I mean, let's be honest, it's far more common to have a have a guy in your area of of wildly varying quality in tuners as we as we can lay on the line right now why sure. and why somebody like you guys are in business because you've got a good you got a good reputation for tuning consistent tunes. But how does that process go when you go, okay, I've changed this and I've changed that. Now I need a custom tune. I want to work with the Texas Speed guys and get this sorted out. Well, you know, it, it's a it's a funny thing because there's so many different levels of where somebody's going to take a vehicle nowadays that there gets to be a point where melling the computer out is not a reasonable situation. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, with an LS engine, there's so many guys that run the same cylinder head, the same camshaft, the same general components that makes it so that 
the guy that sees it a thousand times is just better than the guy who ordered his cable off the internet for 400 bucks and became a professional tuner. Right. But there's always going to be a, a place for the guy who's sitting on the dyno that has the time to do oh, it. Oh, it's like, you know, Chuck from uh, Corvettes mm. of Westchester, you know, mm-hmm. that's what he does. He flies around going and doing those dyno weekends and, Absolutely. and doing the, you know, hands on hands or Ryan Cunningham out here with, you know, mm-hmm. with uh, Cunningham Motorsports, you know, when you go really wild, obviously you got to sit there on the dyno, but right. I mean, if you're ordering a basic head and cam package from you guys, you know, you guys know your stuff, you know, the basic air fuel, you know, profiles yeah. that you need to pump in there and you go, well, I got these headers and this and that, and you've probably done it. 50 times over, right? Right. It, it, it's an easy thing to do and to get correct the first try. It, you know, you just can't say it enough. The key is to be paying attention to your sensors. You know, appreciate that O2 sensors are not supposed to last for 200,000 miles. Right. Making sure your map sensor matches the ECM you're going to run. Make sure your eBay injectors are an injector you can actually find that yeah. exists. Because, you know, that's really where we run into the problems is somebody bought something from somebody they don't know what it is. Somebody said it was a 42-pound injector, but who knows? Yeah. And it turns into just a train wreck. That's one of those places where, like, yes, it sucks that people buy knockoff headers, but you can get away with knockoff headers and it's not going to kill your car. Right. You go buy knockoff injectors and you run a lean condition and there goes your $15,000 investment in a motor. Yeah, for sure. To save forty dollars yeah yeah and that we always tell we encourage customers always go ac delco factory gm sensors because they read the best they 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 last the longest by far but you you get into a lot of that and jason sees it since he does all the tuning where it's there's always something and it's it's an easy deal you know when you pinpoint that an o2 is bad it's an easy swap but Mm -hmm. you know it can really wreak havoc on trying to get a car to run right and nail down the tune and if guys aren't you know if they don't have a scanner and they're they can't look at what is reading properly what's not or they don't even know what they're looking at as far as what it should be reading it, it can make it hard for sure because you know you're across the country trying to diagnose some of this stuff that if it's right there in front of you you can nail it in 20 seconds and move on and i think that's a key difference between a lot of the other the cars that are out there with going back to data logging you know is the fact that you know, a lot of these other cars are using access ports and things like that where everybody's got the cheap little box they can do a little data logging on. Whereas in the LS world, not everybody blows $600 on a copy of HP tuners. Um, so the data logging thing obviously becomes a thing. But do you guys also work with the guys that do have a copy and uh, you will, you know, set up a baseline for them if you, if they do send you a, uh, a log? Absolutely. That's the way it will always probably end up working the yeah. best because a lot of times you can look at the log and just tell immediately if there's something crazy. Yeah. And, you know, to somebody who sees it a thousand times a year, it's easy. But to somebody who's just putting together their first retrofit or their first heads cam swap, you know, stuff doesn't stick out obvious to them. But just a 30-second scan and you can, boom, you're ready you to go. You see a ton make of a knock change. or you see why is your air-fuel ratio 9.5 to 1, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you're like, you're going to fry your pistons real soon. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah, it's, it's again, you know, when you see it every day and you do it every day, it's an easy deal, yeah. you know, because we still do tons of, of chassis tuning, dyno tuning, um, you know, where guys bring stuff in and, and more times than not, they're, you're, they're usually chasing a sensor um, at some point. You know, I would, I would say probably a third of the cars that come in are truly best case, and Jason would know better, but, I, you know, best case, that's, those will be the guys that have everything truly ready to go, ready to tune. The rest of them show up, and you're fighting either an air leak or a bad sensors or a combination of anything you could possibly imagine. So, you know, sometimes the dyno tune, they think, well, it runs bad because I need a tune. But 
reality is it runs bad because you've got a sensor bad, uh, you, you, you know, you've got a vacuum leak, something that's um, that's causing an issue, and once they fix that, then it, you know the the car runs way better before you even start tuning on it. Yeah, which you kind of got to go out of your way to miss a vacuum leak on an LS motor. There's not too many vacuum lines. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, you'd be surprised. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we, we you see, see some creative we, solutions. We, we, no doubt about it. Yeah, when it shows yeah. up, there's some stuff you refuse to dyno because you're like, I'm going to lose a leg trying to make a pull with this car. You know, I mean, it, it's some some of them, some of the retrofits. Uh, Do you yeah. actually end up sometimes turning people away and going, "This is not." Not safe yet absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. yeah yeah there's been because you know jason just kind of looks at it like well i can either make a pull and chance it or uh, maybe lose a leg in the process right <laughs> you know so even if not lose yeah. you know even if hopefully no bodily injury major damage to either your dyno your equipment or the customer's car absolutely yeah absolutely and that's you know as as the shop that's doing the tuning um they look at you know you're responsible for the setup so if something happens on the dyno then you you know you've you've made, you've done something wrong basically yeah. and and so a lot of that there's a lot of kind of investigative work so to speak that that really goes in when you first get the car and and Jason kind of goes over everything make sure everything's reading properly do you know doing what it should before you really start blasting on it on the dyno to to try and fine tune it now how many cars do you guys actually crank out a week in in the shop would you say on a dyno tune Dyno tune is a not a very often thing that we have to address a whole lot anymore, just okay. because of the manufacturing that we do. We've shifted. You guys have so really gotten that, out of that, yeah. That, Which yeah, is dyno nice. tuning doesn't yeah. happen a whole lot. Yeah. Um, dyno tuning can eat up a lot of time where it yeah. can go super smooth, and a lot of time it's directly in relationship to the age of the vehicle. Yeah. You know the the world's changing and the vehicles are getting older, and as they do, some of the stuff doesn't get paid attention to. We all are naturally like to just make more power make more power and have more fun and we sometimes forget about just the little maintenance stuff that that you well, have to just keep on top and of. And the thing that just hit my mind now is I was thinking like when did the LS1 come out? 97. We're coming yeah. up on a 20 year old car now yeah. which is it'll freak you out. Yeah. yeah it makes you feel sit old. there and go we're getting old fast. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, yeah we had this discussion about a month ago. You're going holy crap man it's you know 97 when the LS hit and it was a crazy thing and, and it was so much fun to be involved in as it evolved you know from from what it was such a different beast and the guys that had lt cars that were mad because you know seat of the pants the car felt slower it didn't have the low-end grunt like the lts did but Boy, did oh i was off. i was yeah. one of those guys i had a uh, i had a 96 ss uh uh-huh. and i thought it was the shit yeah uh i thought it was a rocket and i remember the first time i drove i th- i think the first time i drove an lt car sorry previous gen LT. I'm not going to sit there. Just, I'm not going to use the curse words on this podcast right now. Maybe later. Uh, so Gen four. Gen, gen four. Uh, so yeah. We'll go Gen four. Okay, we'll call. We'll call it the wait, proper no, name. That was actually Gen three, wasn't it? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Gen three. Okay. Gen so four Gen three. There yeah, we yeah. go. Before I start going too far yeah, on a yeah. tangent. So I drove. Uh, it was just an automatic. 95 Z28, and I thought it was a rocket. But, of course, this is 15, 16-year-old me, and I was like, oh, my God, this is like the second coming. So I went and got the, the Super Sport, enjoyed it, and then I was at a uh, – I worked at a Pontiac and Cadillac. It was it was a dealership in, uh, in Dallas, Sewell, mm-hmm. uh, way back when, and I was yeah. a lot porter, and I remember the first time I drove those things, I was like, okay, this is, this is some next-level stuff for a relatively inexpensive performance car. Yeah. And even then, I remember when – Mid nineties, you could get a Z twenty eight for nineteen grand and that money, sure. and that was just just crazy money. Yeah. And the F bodies, 
a, a lot of people want to dog on them. The F body is such a good performance platform. Absolutely. For turning once you into, fix the chassis. Once you, yeah, <laughs> once you, once you do that, once you, you did, of course, subframe connectors yeah. are an absolute necessity if for you're going to sure. do anything with that car. Yeah. But they are such good that you could turn it into a phenomenal race car. Oh yeah, yeah, and that's and you still see them today. I mean, it, it, it's a great platform. It's yeah, it had its shortcomings for sure. They all do, but. The aftermarket addresses all of it. So, you know, I mean, it's and a few clicks of a mouse and, and uh, pull out the wallet. And, and, I mean, you can you can go as fast as you want. You know, you've uh, you've got guys now that still, uh, you know, like Ray Bulock with the fastest six-speed record when 833, um, you know, running yeah. one of our uh, LSX motors. And he's shifting gears going 830s, you know. And it's it's an F-body, you know, fourth-gen F-body that uh, – it's still, I mean, it, it's it's got its uh, all the upgrades, right? you know, cage and rear well, end and that stuff. They're light by today's standards too. I mean, oh, absolutely. I remember when people would go, oh, they're kind of heavy, but like thirty two hundred pounds now is is it's light. Great. Yeah. It's oh, great. absolutely. You know, the the seventh gen uh, Z06 Corvette. You know, it's it's over thirty four hundred pounds. And don't even get me started. You know, it's uh, so it, it's 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 very uh, it's it's been crazy to see because you know you know you kind of look back on like the. C5 Corvettes, the manual cars, and even the fourth gen F bodies as manuals, you could get 28 to 30 miles to the gallon on the highway. Yeah, you know, and so now you get in into the cars of today that that have the um, displacement on demand and and all of the stuff that's supposed to help with mileage, and they still, you know, they can't mileage what the car did 15 years ago. So it's uh, yeah. so you, you you definitely see the the penalty in the weight side. I, I think sure. the vets more or less maintained it though. I mean, yeah, it has. I, I've got a C6, and that's that's maintained it. I mean, that's I can still do about that so long as I'm driving like a normal person and not yeah. like we all would. Right. Um, and I think the I, I had to hypermile a Stingray back from Chuck Walla Raceway out here one time, and I was able to count <laughs> 34. So wow. yeah, yeah. Um, but that's the thing is you're having is and that you could get close to that with not even really trying. Yeah. With an old LS yeah. yeah. But, you know, in their defense, it was 335 horse or whatever they were rated, you know, for the LS1 back in the day. And, you know, now you've got 460 horse uh, Camaros. So, you know, and that's just kind of the base V8. Here it is. So, you know, it, it's come a long ways for sure as far yeah. as you're getting a lot more power with it, too. So, But the cool thing is, is you, if you had one of those original LS motors, you've got that, you take that block. You throw some new cylinder heads from you guys on a new intake and everything, and you're—I mean, you don't have the displacement, but you're getting a major power bump. I mean, oh, for sure. you take what using some of the off-the-shelf stuff, and consider we keep the rotating assembly and everything on the bottom end the same. We throw your heads on it with, let's say, a new one of the newer designs. Get out of the cathedral and go to a rectangular. Uh, or maybe not. I mean, you tell me. What can you get out of one of those original LS ones now? If you say went to you guys and said, "I got four or five thousand dollars to spend." Oh, I mean, you know, power-wise, it, it's for the LS one. You have to stay cathedral um, because yeah. of core size. But um, you know, I mean, you, you just can have port high. velocity. Is that the whole thing with it? Well, it's it's just you. The valves are so much bigger. Like an LS three, you've got a two one sixty five intake valve from the factory. So it, it yeah. literally just you don't have the real estate, you know, to be able to bolt it's just the head too on. Big. Yeah, it's, it's just too big. So. Um, you know, for the for the LS1, it, it's got to stay cathedral. But um, you know, I mean, you can make 550 flywheel horse, no problem. Um, you know, like our Magic Stick line of cams has you know, almost had its own uh, cult-like following for a long time, just because you know it was a nasty cam, but it still cleared with uh, you know we would build heads specifically to clear for 
um, for the cam, you know, to mm -hmm. not mess with piston to valve clearance. And, you know, so you can, you can belt out 550 flywheel out of an LS1, no problem. Uh, that's and that's pump gas, hydraulic cam, you know, have your AC. I mean, nothing easy. nothing crazy. And, and, I mean, we not, I mean, you get the Internet racers, we all call them, and, you know, they go, oh, it's only 550 horsepower. 550 horsepower is fast. 500 horsepower... 500, I mean, 400 horsepower is fast in a 3,000-pound car. Sure. Oh, yeah. People don't, you know, they look at these numbers on stuff like, love them to death, but like Tom Nelson stuff where he's cranking out 1,600 or 2,000 horsepower. Oh, sure. And they're like, it's not, it's gay if it doesn't do this. And it's just like, yeah. well, first of all, get your driver's license. Yeah. And then <laughs> go drive something that's it's 400-plus. You, you hit, hit on this something is, with that. This is not slow. People who bitch about horsepower numbers like that have never driven a 500 horsepower car first sure. time i drove a 500 horsepower car it scared the shit out of me yeah it was so fast i i just could not believe like like okay yeah this is this is gonna keep moving up and moving up sure it's just i, I the internet jockeys just get me sometimes oh yeah it, well it's it's like anything i mean it, and we get people are are more numb to horsepower numbers now because because you know, we see stupid numbers. Exactly. I mean, as cool as it is, yeah. they're, they're ridiculous now. Well, yeah, yeah. And, and we see the guys of, you know, because we build quite a few turbo motors for guys that, you know, they're go out and, and only make, only make, you know, 1,200 of the tire. Yeah. You know, and that used to be a crazy feat, and that's just the norm, you know, and, and so guys I mean, just go up from there. We were talking to a gentleman from a uh, from a tuning shop yesterday that's working on some German cars, the Mercedes specifically, and... Uh, they're pushing, I mean, on that that four-liter twin-turbo that they came out, it's a great motor. They're pushing over 1,000 horsepower on that thing. Yeah. It's, you know, and changing nothing other than turbos. Mm -hmm. That's it. I mean, this is the era that we're living in. I, yeah. We never saw, thought we'd see this. No. Uh, no, absolutely not. No, I mean, you know, when the LS hit, uh, that was such a crazy thing back in 97, 98, when, you know, guys were getting those cars in, in their hands, and... You had a factory car, you know, the, the stripper Z28s would go, you know, 1280s, 1290s. Which is still Bone fast. stock car, and that was, like, revolutionary back then. But, you know, now you see, and and as more starts gravitating towards forced induction, you know, with, with turbos and uh, supercharged setups from the factory, you know, you, you've got cars making, you know, 500 plus to the tire, no problem, just bone stock. Turbo uh, cars have always been, I mean, they're almost boring to an extent, but I, I mean, I own turbo car. I've had several turbo cars. It was boring to an extent because it's so easy to make power on a turbo car because yeah. they're usually forged. They usually got an ECU that'll deal with it. You can, they're usually pretty amenable to bigger injectors, and they got a fuel system that can usually handle at least fifty percent more power. I mean, you guys see it all the time. It'd be it'd be interesting. Do you think that the do you think that we're going to get a factory LS turbo soon here? I don't know. LT I, I, or. I think um, I, I think overall, long term, you know, their their biggest um, limiting factor is obviously going to be the fuel requirements, you know, for for gas mileage. So yeah. I, I think absolutely you're going to see more of the forced induction stuff for sure, just because you know that that's going to be their easiest way to still make the power. Uh, but but at the same time, when you take your foot out of it, still try and meet some of these upcoming requirements. They're going to be pretty crazy. Have you guys had to deal with the LT4 yet? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, we sure have. Have you had to have you fixed the LT4 problem yet? Well, it's um, it depends on the customer the, as to what they say the problem is, you know, how they're using the car. Yeah. Um, you know, number one complaint is the blower, for sure. Yeah. Um, 
it's it's undersized for the mo for the motor for the most part you know so guys but you know it's all of, of how you look at it i mean you look at uh the last you know outgoing c6 the zr1 was the um the zr1 was the top of the line so you know that car you could make 650 to 700 you know yeah depending it, on what you do and to even it. then the and 2.9 liter blower wasn't the greatest in the world but it was okay and you could drive it a bit overdrive it a little bit it had a it sure. little bit of headroom in it but the uh the new 1.7 blower is just yeah, seems it's, like it's way overstressed. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. I mean, it, it's um, you know it's been 20,000 RPM from the factory, so it, it's they're they're buzzing it already, and there's not a lot of room to, you know, there's some guys pulling them down, but um, you're you're getting another couple pounds from it, two or three pounds, but that's that's a that's I mean, a, we come from it from different angles. I mean, everybody we know is you know it's the whole automotive journalism field. I mean, it's all our friends run the magazines, and you know we're all making the videos and everything and. Without fail, almost everybody's had an LT4 failure. Almost every single outlet has had a major problem with the wow. LT4. But I'm um, not sure it's necessarily even that because I had some problems with an LT1 on track. Uh-huh. So it, it, I mean, granted, it was being beat on all day by journalists. Right. I just happened to be the one that I had a problem with. It. Right. So it just, it just got hot. And I limped it to the pits. They let it cool. They, I just happened to be that time, and then it cooled down, and then it went back out on the track for the rest of the day. So it just it, there's sometimes comes to a time where a motor's like, hey, you know what? I need to chill for a little bit. Right. I got a little hot. I'm yeah. a little, and it, it, I wasn't over revving. I wasn't going too hard. I, you know, and that one, it's almost understandable. But it, it's you know when you do two laps of Laguna and you're fully heat soaked, and then you're limping at 400 horsepower. Yeah, which is mess. hilarious statement limping at 400. Yeah, but yeah, um, all relative. But yeah, it's just it seems like something something. There was a big oversight. It seems like. Yeah, I mean they, they've uh, you've seen it a, multiple times. You know, with uh, doing reviews and you know it, it's having issues, no doubt about it. As, yeah. as far as cooling issues, it's they, they've they've still got their homework to do, no doubt. Yeah, and that's specifically why I asked about the turbo thing, because obviously we alleviate that issue if that motor had been turbocharged instead of being supercharged. Right. Yeah, I. who knows what the motivation was behind the, the little 1.7 liter blower. My theory is it was probably riding out a contract with Eaton. That'd be my guess. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, for you know, for the life of me, I don't understand the size, but... You know, it's uh, you see guys like uh, Pro Charger. You know, the <laughs> you can you can go buy yeah. a kit now. They're, well, you think, know. I, I think Lingenfelter was the first one that really was like, well, let's see what we can do with the two point nine. Oh, looks like everything's fixed, and we got another hundred horsepower. Okay, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah and there's going to be, you know, the the aftermarket. That's the great thing about it. When there are shortcomings from the factory, the aftermarket, it it's a quick way to respond and um, really get stuff into people's hands quickly. And so you're seeing a lot of that for sure. So, as far as stuff you guys sell, what are what are the big movers these days? What are you guys selling the most and shipping out? It's it's a mix of everything, you know. It's um, you know we we all of our engine stuff. It it's, continues to grow over time. Our cylinder head production, um, you know, and our our exhaust line of products. Um, you know, it, as as new cars come out, we we quickly try and get on top of um, getting stuff developed and and you know headers and. I assume you guys are already working on the Camaro. For sure, yeah. It's uh, you know, it's it's one of those the everybody's in the rush. You know, as yeah. Soon we, as had, we had John Hotchkiss here yesterday. And he's like, "Yep, we got we got all the stuff from the SEMA partners, and we got CAD files and everything." He's like, "We've already got sway bars that are going to be done soon, soon, soon." Yeah, so. yeah. And you can you know go over to Holly's booth. You see their their new uh, Hooker Black 
uh, black heart exhaust, I believe. That's okay. you know, it, it's. I mean, guys are quick to the market, and uh, well, it's a different. I mean, it's different. Everybody's the files get shared out now. It's not even. I mean, we didn't have that 15 years ago. It's right. amazing how it's changed in the last 15 years. How long it took to make a Camaro fast to how many parts you can buy for a car that nobody's ever even seen in front of. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah, I think the first time I saw the Camaro uh, was today, like this, mm-hmm. this trip to Cena, like yeah. the first time I seen it in the flesh or in the metal. And it's I love the packaging of that car. It it's is, a phenomenal car. It is. Yeah. Alpha platform. I had some time in the ATSV, uh-huh. and that Alpha platform is phenomenal. And yeah. this platform is going to, man, I can't wait to see what this uh, this Camaro is going to feel like to be behind the wheel. And just think about the world we're in now. There, people will buy that car, drive home, and go 1220s from the factory. Yeah. Just yeah, think of that LT1 car where if you went 13s, you were you were cheating. You were an idiot. You had nitrous somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And you went 1390s. It's, you and know, now look where we're at. It's interesting. You know, Ford finally jumped on IRS. And the Coyote motor's a hell of a motor, too. And that yes. motor's fun because you can spin the snot out of it. That thing, they're very conservative with the rev limiter on that thing. Uh, I've talked to people that are having it run, you know, and mind you, not all day, but... 8,500 RPM. I mean, that's that's impressive. Yeah. So that's a really cool motor, too. So, you know, for all the guys that say I have Chevy bias, you know, I own a Ford product, too. I own both. And right. I like their stuff, too. Everybody has their cool shit that they built. Yeah. You know, it's, well, most everybody has some cool shit they built. There's a few people that are all boring across the board, but they're boring and they're very profitable doing it. Yeah. So you can't fault them. Right. Yeah. You know, um, but, uh, yeah, it's just, there's so much cool stuff. And I mean, we didn't think, you know, we've got, you know, Camaro and IRS. I mean, that came over. It was a, that's a holding car, basically. Still, I mean, mm-hmm. well, up until now, the Alphas, USGM, but I mean, it was a holding car before that. And the holding cars were great. I mean, I'm sure you guys spent your time in GTOs. I had a GTO. That uh-huh. thing was so much fun. It actually, I was standing him when we were driving in. And there was one that came by that was all cammed out. It actually drives a lot to me, like an AMG car, because it's got the long wheelbase. It's got relatively skinny tires for the power, band, you know. Right. And it's got the big V8. It actually did kind of drive a bit like, a bit like a less refined C63 or something like that. It loves yeah. to get sideways. Those GTOs oh, yeah. are so. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's, and that's really what it comes yeah. down oh, to yeah. is it just wants to go sideways all day long. It's a great car. Yeah. Um, you still, it's there's still a lot of those kicking around Texas because it's just unfortunate that you know you don't see that. And we didn't get that many in the U.S. overall when it comes to you know we talk production car numbers, but are you guys still seeing a lot of them down there? Oh yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. They're 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 still everywhere. You know we. We've got a sales guy as, as a GTO. I mean, they're, they're, you know, Texas is a good, it's great from the performance side because you see everything, yeah. and there's just tons of it. So, yeah, I, where we're at, absolutely, there's still GTOs everywhere. Yeah, the only thing that really disappoints me in Texas racing, and, like, I lived in South Florida for 10 years, so it's the same shit, basically. It's just, like, it's all drag racing and highway runs, which is, yeah. you know, we've all been doing this as long as we has. That gets kind of boring at a certain point. And I know right. you guys make wonderful business out of it, but I'm sure you guys at this point probably much rather hit a road course on the weekend than drag racing, yeah, right? Yeah, well, it's, uh, we've always joked. I, I, I call it the occupational hazard because, you know, when you take the hobby and turn it into a business, you, you, don't, you don't enjoy cars yeah. as much as you did uh, because you do it all day every day. So, uh, yeah, so you, you do look for different outlets for sure. Um, you know, now that 
we're close uh, to Circuit of the Americas. Oh yeah, we. So you guys are close to Austin, huh? Uh huh. Yeah, we're just uh, like 40 miles north of Austin in Georgetown now. Okay. Oh, awesome. Uh huh. Yeah, we'll have to send some of our buddies from Jalopnik yeah. over to go say hi. Oh yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, for sure. Because it's uh, yeah, it, it's a it's a great area. You know, it's um, you know Houston has a huge scene. Austin does, and you yeah. know we're kind of right in the middle between Dallas and Houston. So great location. Oh, I spend my time at Sixth Street in Austin. I know yeah. about that place. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so I, take yeah. that, I take that's your local street racing spot. Oh no no no, that's no. Uh, that you you go enjoy uh, some. Sorry for Chris. You go enjoy some drinks there. Yeah, it's a good place yeah, for a, that. It's oh, a good bar okay. scene. It's oh, that's what it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I haven't. I I've been into Austin for all of like. Three hours and then back out. That's about it. I've yeah, got, I got friends out. with the, uh, the Austin Police Department. I got a lot of a lot of buddies that are down there. So, oh really? Yeah, I just I hear some stories. Well, about there's also a lot of leeway when you're in the military. You can get away with a lot of shit before you get too. thrown yeah. in. Yeah. I, I don't. I, well, yeah, I try to not uh, skirt any lines there. Yeah. I try to be an example because yeah. that's what I am. Jason's still <laughs> active duty Navy for people that don't know. So yes, I do. That's the uh, that's the career, and I uh, enjoy do this. I do this because of the passion for it. Yeah. I absolutely yeah. love cars. Oh, it's sure as hell not the money. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's definitely not anything. It's Everybody who thinks that this is uh, the most glamorous thing in the world, do not look at people's bank accounts that do yeah. this because it's terrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I had some guy ragging on me for getting a few, few free things from uh, from the Mountain guys for my Fiesta. And I was just like, and they put, I don't get free parts because I'm not, quote, in quotes online, famous. And I'm like, dude. I put more money into this a year than I get out of it, so <laughs> yeah. I'm going to call this okay in the grand scheme of things. It's yeah. like the small reward we get out of doing this, and I'm sure you, you, you guys did the same thing. Every once in a while, a buddy will throw you a part or something and be like, okay, one of the few perks that we get. Yeah, it's, you know, and for us, I mean, when new cars come out, we buy them just like everybody else. Sure. I mean, we're, we're waiting for our new Camaro to show up. It's in transit, but... I mean, we're, we're paying a dealer just like anybody else. You know, a lot of guys think somehow that magically GM hands you over free cars and all of this. We buy every one of them. Yep. So it, it's, uh, you know, it's just now there's uh, there's an excuse for us to, you know, with the business before you're just a crazy car guy that blows money on cars. So. Yeah, I mean, if you're really, really lucky and you've got a good friend there, maybe once in a while you'll get a dollar car or something like that. But yeah. that's so few and far between, yeah. you know, one that they were going to crush anyway. But right. that's rare yeah yeah i mean the vast majority you know we've we've uh we've got a z06 now uh we had a c7 coupe that we did developmental on we, new camaro coming i mean every one of them we, we bought them like everybody else so. you guys usually turn them over pretty quickly after you do development yeah it depends on the car yeah. um you know really what we're trying to get done um you know the the stingray coupe we had um it was one of the the first with the eight-speed automatic tranny so yeah. we bought it to do some testing and um you know just drivability stuff with camshafts and and that sort of stuff um so that one that one came and went pretty fast the z06 we still have still working on stuff on it but eight-speed or the auto eight-speed uh, or the uh, manual on that one uh manual okay yeah, manual on that one so uh so yeah, it, it's it depends on the car how long we really keep it around, um, you know, because some of them, you know, it, especially uh, Texas, they've got half mile events and and yeah. full mile events. You go so. out and meet up with John and all those. So it it, yeah. uh, it can be fun to you know to to keep one around a little bit and, and go play with it some, but uh, yeah, usually with normally it's within the first year or so, you know, the the car you move on and off to the next thing. Yeah. So. Unless somebody gets particularly attached to one. Yeah, it, it yeah, it, it hasn't happened recently, but I, again, you know, you kind of get numb to it when it's just 
you know, as the car gets released, you buy buy one, so it becomes more of yeah. let's you know get what we can bu- get built for the car um, and move on. But yeah, it's uh, you know, you, you, it's a bunch of new cars. So you, that's that's one of the perks of the job for sure is uh, getting to play with the latest, greatest stuff. Yeah, we get to play with stuff too, but not for as long now. Yeah, <laughs> some of, some of our some of our uh, you know friends out there do get very long term cars, and some of them get them from people like McLaren for an extended period of time. But your name's going to be pretty high on the list to get those ones. So. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Yeah, um, you bring up a good point about half mile and full mile racing. Okay, so with everything with the Texas Mile and everything that's been going on with that, now everything's been bumping up and going towards half mile because in the last couple of years, I mean, you're seeing a 250 plus in a standing sure. mile. Yeah, and that that shit gets gets pretty sketchy real quick, and we've For seen sure. it over at the Texas Mile events. Uh-huh. Now things are going to half mile. Because the horsepower, I mean, you can 2,000, 2,200 horsepower, twin turbo R8s and Gallardos and all sorts of crazy shit yeah. that you're seeing at these half miles. Uh, is it really mostly the safety thing or is it just like, hey, we're just developing too much power. We can't, we don't want to take this to a standing mile anymore. Now, I mean, the car guys, the guys taking the cars, they, they'll run whatever. I, I think it, absolutely it's it's kind of like uh, NHRA. You saw them go to 1,000 foot for, you know, top fuel. Mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of it, absolutely, it's it's the safety side. It's um, and, and at the same time, insurance, you know, I'm sure um, they, they probably fight trying to, to stay insured to be able to hold events like that, you know, for when something does happen. So, yeah, I, I think you see a lot more of the half mile just because, yeah, that, that ad, added half mile. I mean, you're seeing crazy, crazy speeds from cars that, you know, sometimes you see wrecks from stuff coming apart that wasn't made to go that fast. You yeah. see cars going from a, a rolling half mile to over 210 miles an hour and a half mile. Yeah. And that's crazy. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. The, the big tell is when you start, you know, especially with all the turbo cars kicking around now, it's, you know, you see a car and you go, that's, that's okay, it's running an 11.5, but it did it at 143. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's just like, Oh, that thing's just getting going at yeah. the end of the quarter. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's you know these cars. I mean, especially with turbos. I mean, you're not going to get it right off the line most of the time because you're either going to have a turbo that's undersized and you will get it off the line, which is very rarely the case because nobody wants to limit themselves. So everybody takes a little bit to spool and that point you're ripping down the track. Yeah. You, you know, you're when you're starting to hit peak power at the finish line and then you get a stomp on the brakes. A little scary. Yeah, so. yeah. It's uh, it's like anything. They're they're ramping it back, just safety side because power. It, it seems to be endless. You know, like I say, now you're making 1,200 to the tire. That's kind of a joke. You know, I mean, everybody wants more, more, more. So um, it's kind of the nature of the beast. Yeah, I remember spending some time at Texas Motorplex at Ennis, and uh, like the SLP day when I uh-huh. used to go out there, just go beat my car out there, do bracket racing out there, which was a great bit of fun. Uh-huh. Uh, quarter mile. Is it slowly going away? It, racing is changing, no doubt. Um, and it's it's really the, it's not as exciting. You know, when, when when you watch these guys do the, you know, it was 10-5 and radio racing and, you know, now a lot of no prep stuff, it's it's more exciting. Guys come out of the woodworks, especially when there's a bunch of money up for grabs. You know, you, you see guys come from all over. So, yeah, it's changing for sure. I mean, 15 um, years ago, 13 was a respectable you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Now it's you, you, now you know your your BMW twin turbo six cylinder BMW will run that. Oh, so that's just like, oh, that's holy a, crap. Yeah. yeah, hell. I mean, I think you can probably pull pull that out of a two twenty eight yeah. with a tune on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. It, it's, it, it's crazy what stuff will run now, and so it, it 
everything is changing for sure. I mean, there's you don't see you see a lot more guys in in the street scene for sure, and these no prep events, and you know, it, it's more fun. It's more fun to watch. It's more fun to participate in, and um, you know, you you see the pros and cons of it. I mean, it, it, obviously, it's a, more dangerous. Um, you, you see some of these wrecks and the power they're making. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for sure, it's it's absolutely changing from what it was. But to that effect too, I mean. You reckon a new Camaro versus an F body? F body's not going to be a pretty day. New Camaro, you're probably going to walk away. You're not going to feel great, but you're probably going to walk away fine. Oh sure, you know yeah. it's the safety differences. I mean, and that was the one thing is I remember when the C6 came out and like, yeah, you're going to need a helmet. You know, you're going to need a helmet. And what was the old cutoff for that? 1350. Yeah, I think 1350. So. And those, you know, C6 rolls out the door. I mean, it was running high 12s right out the factory. Yeah, sure. You know, and you know, that's when. And then it was like, what was it? The cutoff. Yeah, you know, exactly. Cage. Yeah. And it was just like everything's running that. I mean, yeah. Whether it was the VAD or if you don't run a turbo, you know, not a turbo, or you run uh, pretty much any of the Mercedes or or an Audi. I mean, all of them are ripping down, you know, straight away that fast. And you know what? I'll go. I'll crash. You know, I'll go crash in an RS6 in a cage before I'll crash in a Pinto in a cage or something like that yeah. with a crazy motor. Yeah. Sure. You know? those, yeah. Those uh, like a, a Turbo S. It runs a 10.8 stock. Yeah. Completely stock. 10-8. I would, I would take that without a cage than a lot of cars with a cage. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It, it, it's it's just you know it's evolution uh, and the performance market in the last 15 years. You you look at all of it. I mean. Look at the diesel guys. You know now the a bone stock diesel you buy off the the showroom floor used to be what the crazy tuned ones were back in '02 and '03. And then you go and talk to Gail, and he goes, "Oh, you want that to be 600 horsepower and 1,400 pound torque? Hold on, I'll send you a box. It'll be there in three days." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's it, there's so much of it that's just so easy, and and the more of the forced induction stuff you see from the factory. It is. You you can add a hundred horse with nothing but a tune and very very easy power. All right. So on to a slightly different topic now is in the aftermarket world. You guys are very unique in that you sell a lot of parts, but you also make a lot of your own stuff. We do specifically the cylinder heads. Uh-huh. Uh, do you guys brand your own camshafts too? Or uh, we are. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. We're, so we're you guys are camps in house. I don't know of anybody else that's running a storefront. You know that sells everything. And makes their own, you know, and is making their own cylinder heads and camshaft. How the hell did you guys end up doing that? Because most everybody else ends up, you know, milling heads or they get a casting from somebody else to work with or, you know, so on. Right. I mean, it, it's, um, you know, over time, when we started, we had, you know, we had no intentions of um, building engines, building cylinder heads, any of that. It, it's it's just, you know, as, as you grow as a company, you see opportunities. Um, and it, it's it's really for kind of multiple points of, of you've got better control over it. You know, you can be um, better cost-wise in a part. But, you know, it's it's more than anything just trying to, as you grow a business, um, that, that's really your ultimate goal is, is the more you can take in-house, the more you can essentially end up building a better part. And, you know, and we've been through that, um, you know, over the years. with So it basically um, just wasn't meeting your standards? That's how the cylinder head started, for sure. Absolutely. Um, there was a company that uh, we, back in oh, late 2003, early 2004, um, we sold some of their stuff and a lot of quality control problems. And, you know, you get to a point and you just go, if I'm I'm pushing a product and then you end up having to get away from it because their QC becomes non-existent. And so you've pushed it for so long, you end up with a black eye for a little bit because 
you were pushing a product and now they've, you know, QC was pushed to the side. And so you just go, well, we can build a better product and, and we don't have to fight if it's getting QC'd or not, you know, mm -hmm. because it's all in our control at that point. So, um, you know, it, it was, it's good that we were, um, that we were young when we, uh, mm -hmm. I say young, you know, late 20s. Um, oh, yeah, because I mean, it's not like you guys are old, old men yeah, now. It, it, it's just, you know, you're, you're, you are ready to leap a lot quicker for stuff. And, well, yeah, and, we don't think about shit. When you're 19 to 22, you're just like, all right, let's do it. Yeah, sure. yeah, you know, and yeah. it, it was, uh, it, absolutely, it was just one of those that we just, it, 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 to us, it's always been the natural progression of, of that's the next thing that, that we need to take in-house. And, um, you know, it, it does. It gives you, uh, besides just more control, it, it gives you a lot more um kind of just a, a blank sheet of paper to start from, you know, like yeah. the cylinder head stuff, and, and Jason can better touch on that than me, but, you know, between valve angles and thicker deck surfaces and six-bolt configurations, and, you know, you're not limited to what someone has built their casting to do, and you're just machining someone else's casting, you know, we we, we get to go in and kind of do whatever we want, um, so it, it, it does give you a, a lot more from the standpoint of marketability of, you know, we, we can build it a million different ways, and at the end of the day... It, it's going to cost the same to build this widget, so yeah, you know. I, I mean, when it comes to the the head game, I mean, there's there's basically four or five big companies that you can think of in the in the LS market, and you guys are one of them. I mean, it's that's just what it comes down to. I mean, you guys have really kind of established yourself as one of the leaders, at least in my eyes. And I think if you go on an LS one tech, and and a lot of those people's opinions too, right? So you yeah, know, and I, I don't think that people realize how many LS heads there are nowadays like just different styles yeah for example in a given day when we go to work and we get ready to do production there's 28 different flavors of cylinder heads that we offer right. just for ls and lt stuff so the fifth gen LT i mean like, like we were getting on before rectangular versus cathedral port and then you know a shallow a shallow intake angle versus mm -hmm. a steep one and so on and so yeah and, and then i'm sure different you know, different valve seating configurations and a billion different variances that you guys are dealing with. Sure, mm -hmm. tons of runner sizes, tons of runner configurations. Yeah. Um, you know, the new thing we've been working on lately is chambers specifically designed for E85 because there's so many guys running E85 that if you're going to run it, you need the compression. Yeah. So why not build the chamber that, that gives those guys the ability to do that? Yeah, he's been playing around with that lately. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a wow fuel economy. Yeah, atrocious. And I'm not even running full mm -hmm. 85. I'm E40. Uh huh. And yep. it's really bad. Yeah. Um, I could usually, on a, on my stage, when I have a Focus ST with some mounted goodies on there. Uh -huh. uh, so on the, my stage 391 tune, uh, maybe 25, 26, maybe if I'm just doing my normal 80, can you whatever. It was 21, 22 on E40. And then I ran into the canyon. Usually I get about 270 to 300 miles to a tank on fuel. I ran 61 miles on, driven in the canyons and I was half a tank. It was so bad <laughs> yeah. up there. I, I, I love it. It's great. Exhaust temps are so cool uh, for going through the downpipe. And like, it almost, like, I don't even really need the downpipe, but just good air, extra airflow helps the turbo spin up faster. Right. But just for the exhaust temp reasons, I didn't need the downpipe anymore because the E40 is just so much cooler. Right. But, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, everything is good about it. Extra powered, all that fun stuff. But I, I, I started to feel like I had when I had an electric car for the weekend, because now I'm starting to feel like I get some sort of range anxiety. Because now I'm like, okay, in California there are E85 stations around, but they're yeah. not that plentiful. They're around. Right. I got one three miles from my house and one on my commute. 
So I was like, okay, good, that's fine. I got this. I can think there. of three in all of Los Angeles. And that's so. the, and that's the. He's problem. down in San Diego, and I'm in LA. So, so. I got wow. two on my commute, which is which is kind of good. But at the same time, I'm having. I, I drive 43 miles one way. So now, if I'm commuting on it, like every day, every other, like this day, I filled up. Okay, I have to start thinking about it tomorrow. Right. And then I have to the third day. Like there's no excuse. Yeah. About that. So it just. It's, it's funny. You you have the same fueling cycle as if you just owned a stock CTSV. Pretty much. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I pretty much. You know, I'm, I'm driving around a CTSV. It's pretty for, much for three years, the only thing, the CTSV held our uh, record for worst fuel economy, <laughs> and then we get the Viper, which finally the new Viper, which finally <laughs> managed to beat it by one PG. Wow. The Viper was down to an average of eight. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. CTSV so good. Though. Yeah. Oh, they're great cars. I mean, I've, good. I've owned three of them. Each. They're they're a blast, but. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you didn't get a larger fuel tank uh, when you got the V-Series, so you pass everything but a gas station. Yeah, I had some time in the 16 at Big Willow. It's rocking that car. And the chassis dynamics and the way that it goes around, it's progressive oversteer. It'll oversteer if you really want it to, but it's not like it's snappy or crazy. It's just very... Just a very, very manual chassis, uh, and when the LT4 is running on full song, it's it's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's a fast damn car. Yeah, I it's uh, it. yeah, the, you know, the, it, that's the downside as things progress. You know, every time the next generation car comes out, the number of computers goes up, and uh, you know, the price tag goes up. So you know, the, that's that's the downside. The the new CTSV is great, but you know, you're 90 grand plus in a car now that you could have bought for mid 60s. Um, just well, two I, years think, ago. I think the the computer driving the price is a MacGuffin that people feed us all. Because yeah. the thing is, is my background's in software engineering and dealing with networking systems and all that. That shit's cheap. That yeah. shit's real cheap. Yeah, they're just making their margins up on the Cadillac products now because they're finally sure. trying. Well, they're finally at a you know at a level where they can justify the cost. But they're also kind of I know they're fighting the battle internally. Of people go to a Cadillac and they go you know they go to a Cadillac dealership and they go to a Mercedes and BMW dealership and they go something must be wrong that this is twenty thousand dollars less for a comparable sized car. Sure, it's supposed to be in the same class. Yeah. So I mean, just it, it's counterintuitive because you'd think that people would want, want the better value per dollar. You know, it's, Hyundai's having the same problem with the Genesis line, mm-hmm. and the people go, "There has to be something wrong with it because it's not as expensive." So, right, you know, that's yeah, the it, one thing that's hitting us both there. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. And there's no doubt. I mean, it, it, it's supply and demand. They're try, trying to find the the limit of what people will spend. You know, you look at trucks now. I mean, ten years ago, you could buy a fully loaded diesel truck for under 40 grand with leather the whole shebang and now you can't buy the stripper model for under 45 i mean it's hard to find it's hard to find a, a pickup truck period that's not you know just a work truck right with vinyl format you know vinyl floor and the basic dash and a bench seat it's hard to buy a pickup for less than 38 39 grand for sure it's a special order that stuff yeah yeah they're for not sure. carrying that on the lot uh-uh. no it's uh the the days of regular cabs you know and we had some back in the day 0405 we'd buy Brand new regular cab you could buy for twenty grand or, or less. Yeah. And uh, the last one I bought was a, a two thousand eleven, and even then, I mean, rebates and all, and and you're still at you know twenty eight grand for a regular cab V eight truck, which is pretty crazy. Right. Well, we uh, we've actually gone just about an hour already. Oh wow. Yeah, it goes quick. Yeah. It usually does go pretty quick. Um, so 
If you could leave everybody with some final words, what would you like them to know about Texas Speed real quick, and where can they find you online, and uh, where can they go look at pictures of your stuff? You guys on Instagram, Facebook, all that fun stuff? Yeah, yeah, we're all, all on, on all the social media, uh, Instagram and Facebook. Um, website is texas-speed.com. Okay. Um, What's know, the Instagram handle and Twitter handle and so on and so on? Um I would honestly have to ask my guys. Okay, so just go to the Texas Speed website. And yeah, yeah, you can branch you can link there. in from there. You can you can link in from there. But yeah, I mean, I, you know, as far as Texas Speed, I mean, we are constantly in development of new stuff. It, it's not just a, you know, it is the one stop shop. You know, we we've got so much machining and under one roof with sales. So it it is, you know, we we try and hit uh, of any vehicle we pertain to, we try and hit every avenue of. From basic bolt-ons, exhaust and induction, to the guys that want a built stroker motor, you know, ready for boost. You know, we try to cater to all of it. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, it, as the market evolves, we do too. So, uh, you know, it's yeah, been a great ride to this point. It's it's constantly evolving. These yeah. Days. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's. Uh, I think the market we're in now is is very similar to uh, you know the, the late '60s, where you're seeing that that huge performance push all over again. It's better. Uh, oh, it's way better. Be better. It's way better. But you know, it, it's uh, our our dad's generation that talks about that. I, I think that's the generation we're in right now for us. Uh, you know, just seeing so much performance overload right now. Um, yeah, it's to the point where it's it's almost getting, in my opinion, it's almost getting to the point where it's over the top. It's yeah. almost to the point where we're gonna like, okay, this is enough. This is we can't sustain this pace because where does powers it stop? out powers outstripping tires? Oh, for sure. Yeah, where does it stop? Yeah, where does it stop? But uh, you know, when we're running 650 horsepower CTSVs and, and 700 horsepower Hellcats around, it's just like yeah, you no can't really go much further than that on a street car. Yeah, yeah, so, that, that's a fact. At least not without all-wheel drive. Yeah. So yeah. All right, gentlemen, thank you very much for coming by. Uh, thank you, Magnaflow, once again for hosting us. Uh, Jason, where can everybody find you? As always, Terminator Con, C A Double M on right. the Instagram, Twitter, and then as usual, you guys can all find me at Hayes Data on Twitter and uh, follow at the Hooniverse too. Uh, I'd also like to say, please rate and review the show on iTunes. Uh, that helps us out immensely in climbing the charts there. We're going to be firing shows at you guys rapid fire from all the SEMA stuff, so expect probably two a week for a while here. And uh, as, uh, as far as that goes, we're wrapped up. First episode of Day 3 of SEMA, done. Thanks, awesome. guys. Appreciate yeah, it. thank you thank for you. your time.